Hey there, welcome to this bonus episode of Rethinking Wellness for paid subscribers. I'm Christy, and in this episode, I'm answering audience questions about how to be involved in the food and farming world without falling prey to diet and wellness culture, whether mindful eating is a dieting behavior, how to know if you're not eating enough, and lots more. This episode is a recording of the July Q&A for members of my Intuitive Eating Fundamentals course, which will actually be enrolling a new cohort in the next few weeks, and you can learn more about that at christyharrison.com slash course. This is a free preview of a longer episode for paid subscribers, and in this clip, you'll hear me answer the question about food and farming and why some corners of the anti-diet world can be sort of down on things like making your own jam or growing your own food, even though those things could really be approached in a way that's totally free from diet and wellness culture. It's a nuanced conversation, and I hope it'll give you something new to consider wherever you are in your relationship with food and wellness culture. Now, without any further ado, here's the first question. Next person says, I've been through the course once. I've followed the podcast for a long time too, and have found it all to be radically life-altering. Thank you. I'm so glad. I'm a few years into my healing journey, which is ongoing, and I've been working to detangle our life as home farmers from my enmeshment in diet culture and orthorexic tendencies. I've been feeling kind of alone in that journey and feeling isolated in the anti-diet community. At the peak of our growing season, I'm often making jam or chopping veggies or making cheese while listening to podcasts, and sometimes ones that seem to dismiss or look down on those of us spending a lot of time with our hands in food. Does it have to be this way? And then the person says, the focus of our farm has been evolving and is shifting towards plant and animal breeding for climate resilience. While I'm eating more foods without guilt from the industrial food system, I still see it as a tenuous system that robs communities of a sense of food sovereignty. Yeah. Thank you for this question. And I think you're like a trailblazer in some ways. You know, I think there's not a lot of people who are in both of those spaces and I think if you hear people making criticisms or seeming to dismiss that kind of like homesteading, farming kind of life and spending a lot of time with your hands in food, as you say, it probably comes from a place of past orthorexia and wanting to reclaim industrial foods, processed foods and things like that, convenience foods, and not demonize those things. And so unfortunately, ends up sometimes demonizing the farming lifestyle, right? And I think there are a lot of people who get into the farming and sustainability lifestyle for diet culture reasons, for reasons that are not helpful, you know, and it becomes really wedded to orthorexia for them. I know for me, when I was really obsessed with sustainability and farmers markets and shopping local and organic and all of that stuff, that it was really wedded to my orthorexia. And I never... Actually, I did think about that stuff before I started dieting because I was thinking about it from an environmental perspective and thinking about you know delicious foods and abundance and stuff like that from a context of sustainability as well. But then as soon as I got caught up in diet culture, it became very much demonizing of the quote-unquote industrial food system. It was very wedded to like Michael Pollan and Marion Nessel and Eric Schlosser and all these thinkers who blame the industrial food system for body size increasing, right? And for this supposed epidemic of higher body weight. So it got very tied up in in those diet culture ideas. And so for me, moving and for I know for many people too, moving away from that, moving away from the sort of mycopollinization of food was really important in my healing and my recovery. That said, you know, I have kind of come back to, I mean, to the extent that I still 
honestly, I think my my obsession with food and cooking was largely driven in my little detour into a career as a food journalist when I had been a journalist covering mostly, you know, I had been covering food issues and environmental stuff in the context of like environmental journalism, but I I made this detour into like pure food journalism. And I think that really was driven by not eating enough and being obsessed with food for that reason. Right. And so now that I'm not obsessed with food for that reason, I'm not super obsessed with cooking. I do a lot of microwaving of leftovers or frozen meals and things like that. But when I do cook, I do still find a lot of pleasure and satisfaction in things that are from farmers markets and stuff like that. But you know, I think it becomes a lot less central to a lot of people when they're no longer really disordered about food. And for you, I, you know, it sounds like there's a lot in this for you that it might be tied up with orthorexia, but it also sounds like it's its its own thing, right? It's like your commitment to ending climate change and sustainability and farming goes deeper than that. And so I think for you, finding the ways, continuing to untangle those things, first of all, continuing to explore how to let go of any residual orthorexia that's still in how you relate to food and farming will be really important. And then thinking through like another path, you know, another way to look at things. I know Anjali Prazertong, who writes the Substack anti-racist dietitian, is interested in things like food sovereignty and food systems and comes from a more anti-diet perspective. I know that's not her initial perspective, but I think she's been influenced by a lot of people in the anti-diet space to consider that as well. And she's written some really interesting stuff related to that. She just announced that she's taking a hiatus, but she has a big backlog of content that you might check out. So maybe Julianne can put that in the chat. It's anti-racist dietitian, but I think her substack is a different URL. So that's maybe someone to to look at. And I think she's connected to a community that's interested in food sovereignty and things like that too. And maybe you can connect with her or look at her work and find other people who are doing this sort of thing around food sovereignty without diet culture. But I think it's rare because so much of the discourse around that has been really tied up with anti-fat bias and with diet culture and demonizing particular foods. So it's an area that I think is interesting and ripe for exploration. And while you're doing that kind of exploration, I also really invite you to just continue excavating the stuff, right? Excavating whatever connection might still be there, you know, subtle, subtle kinds of connections between orthorexia and your relationship with food. But yeah, thank you for that question. And you know, I think it is a, a definitely an ongoing discussion. Oh, here's a PS to that one. The person says, PS, I'm not sure my question is clear. And it's more sharing my growing experience of unease when I'm so wanting to be part of the anti-diet space and to be passionate about food justice, food access, and communities having access to seeds and soil as a source of power. Yeah, I totally get that. They say, when my unschooled kids are learning to breed their own popcorn or make cheddar cheese or called chicken butchering feather festivals. Wow, that feels wonderful. Yeah. And when they're happy to eat ice cream and not a veggie all day, that is also starting to feel as good as I heal. Can we hold all these things together? I guess I continue to struggle to find my place. I literally was listening to a podcast kind of making fun of making your own jam while I was making jam. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I know it's it's tough and it is it is an area that I think if you're interested in writing and contributing in this way, could be 
a niche for you, perhaps. But I do get feeling frustrated with the mockery or looking down on things. And I'm sorry if I've done any of that in the past. I think if I have, it's been my own healing, you know, my own need to distance myself from that stuff as a part of my own healing. But I totally get like since being in recovery, I have made my own jam and found it really fun. So I get that it's it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be part of an orthorexic thing, right? It's it can be lovely and wonderful. And like you said, you know, breeding your own popcorn. How cool is that? You know, there's like a sciencey sort of geeky element to that too that I think a lot of people can really appreciate. But I think it's just clouded in a lot of ways by orthorexia and the sort of like typical diet and wellness culture discourse about food. So yeah, this is a really, really fascinating discussion. I, I thank you for bringing it up. And I think if you're interested in writing about it, or maybe not even for public consumption, but just as a, a personal exercise to journal about this stuff and sort of figure out where you stand and create your own little like manifesto of how you want to relate to food and farming and land and sovereignty and all of that in the absence of diet culture, even if you never share that, I think that could just be a helpful tool for you in guiding your values and continuing your recovery. So thank you for that. You've been listening to a free preview of this episode. To hear the rest and get tons more bonus content, become a paid subscriber by going to rethinkingwellness.substack.com. That's rethinkingwellness.substack.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.